Ultimately, everything that we think to be true is true for ourselves. It's not difficult to hypnotize people. It's more difficult to bring them out of the trance they're already walking around in. This is The Playbook. I have an Eastern Leaguer. Most of you won't know what that means, but here in San Diego, we sure do. He is a high school friend of mine in a local high school here in San Diego. Both of us were first hypnotized by the exact same person, Marshall Silver, the number one hypnotist in the world. He's the CEO of Prosperity Alliance, and he utilizes his skill sets to create abundance, to help people make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun, which everyone knows I'm aligned with. Marshall, welcome to The Playbook. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So I have to ask you, because I was inspired when I was in high school by a guy named Dr. Dean. Yep. And so I would love to hear how he inspired you to not only understand or seek hypnosis, but to make it your profession. Sure. I was in a show. I was 16 years old, and he came to the high school. And I got up on stage, and he told me that when he said the words, Sonny boy, I would stand up from my seat in the audience. I'd walk back to the stage. I'd fall down on my own butt. I'd roll my pant legs up above my knees. I'd climb on his lap. I'd put my thumb in my own mouth, and I'd say, sing it again, Betty. <laughs> and I remember going back to my seat in the audience and thinking, I'll be damned if I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Yet he says, Sonny boy, and I, I feel like a magnet is pulling me back to the stage. And I'm walking back to the stage, and I'm on my butt, rolling up my pant legs, on his lap, sing it again, Daddy. I went home that night, and I thought, was I actually hypnotized, or was I just doing what he told me to do? And I thought, well, what if he had told you to be confident, and you did it? What if he had told you to go out you know, and be successful, and you did it? What if he had told you to go out and be a multimillionaire? And because he said that I could, I believed that I would. I realized in that moment, if that was hypnosis, which it is, then this is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. As a person thinketh, so we are. It's amazing because the power of suggestion uh, has to be internalized. What are the qualities of people that are submissive to the power of suggestion? Because I think, you know, I've been told a whole bunch of things. The most intelligent people are easier to hypnotize or people who focus more are easier to hypnotize. But I'm trying to see the qualities because I want to utilize suggestion for my own children yep. and self-hypnosis as well. And I want to know what qualities or what features or characteristics would be best for someone to think it and then believe it and do it. <laughs> yes. My three babies, Sterling Silver, Maximus Silver, and Prosperity Silver, were all born at home via hypnosis in the bathtub. No drugs, no doctors, no pain. In fact, a lot of people would say they were probably conceived via hypnosis. And if you've ever met my beautiful wife, you'd probably agree with that. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So, yeah, is that that's illegal? what it is. It's all hypnosis. <laughs> the thing about it is, is yes, uh, hypnosis is an educational process. So idiots don't respond well. Highly intelligent people do respond well. Yet the people that respond the best are entrepreneurs. And the reason entrepreneurs respond, like myself, like yourself, the reason we respond so well to hypnosis is we're moldable talent. Since it's an educational process, part of what has to happen in the educational process is people have to set aside their ego. They have to set it aside long enough to say, okay, yeah, maybe I'm successful, except there's still things to learn. And when people can do that on a regular basis, they become really successful. So if you want to become better at auto-suggestion or allowing other people to speak into your world, you need to understand the distinction between what we call objective reality and trance. Objective reality is the scientific observation of a circumstance without any emotional filters. In other words, you just see something and say, okay, he's lifted his hand, his head's tilted at a 45-degree angle, he's nodding while he looks at me, just licked his lips. You don't put any meaning on it. Hypnosis, on the other hand, is the non-critical acceptance of ideas or concepts on a subconscious level. One person says something, 
Another person believes it to be true, and then more importantly, acts upon it as if it's, as if it's true. That's hypnosis. And is there a natural correspondence of hypnosis, meaning that, you know, as an entrepreneur, as someone who coaches entrepreneurs, and I talk about, you know, this idea of what we pay attention to and give our intention to what we think, say, do, and believe according to our own personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions are indicators of the coincidences that are going to occur in our life. And most people focus in or give intention to what they don't want, right. what's missing, or worse, what other people think or the negative things that we think. And is this power of suggestion the same as hypnosis? Are we self-hypnotic in the negativity that we create and create resistance and voids as well? You know, ultimately everything's hypnosis. Ultimately, everything that we think to be true is true for ourselves. You said something, and, and what, uh, what I wanted to comment on, it's not difficult to hypnotize people. It's more difficult to bring them out of the trance they're already walking around in that tells them what limitations they have, how the world works, you know, what's not likely to happen. Since what we focus on expands, you're right. Most people focus on what they don't have. And because they're focusing on what they don't have, they don't take inventory of what they do have, and therefore they can never use it. One last thing, though. Uh, as a coach, as a consultant, what makes you so good? Because I've studied you. You know, I, I hack really successful people. Thank you for hypnotizing. <laughs> yes. What, what's made you really successful is the same thing that makes all coaches for sure and all trainers for sure. Also, though, all entrepreneurs really, really effective. And that's empathy. It's the ability to get into somebody else's head and view the world through their eyes and say, gosh, if I was this person right now and I looked at my product, this is what I would think about it. Or if I was this person and I was thinking about investing in this company, here's what my concerns would be. And when you can overcome what I call those pieces of resistance in advance, what happens is your sales presentations are stellar. You'll knock it out of the park just about every single time. You'll be so empathetic that you'll be able to read people while you're presenting and make the adjustments accordingly. You know, if I've got, I've got three kids, and as you have kids, they're all different. And so what motivates one doesn't motivate the other one. What speaks to one, you know, might not speak to the other. And so I've got to speak a language that speaks to the person I'm speaking to. Powerful communicators are responsible for both the sending and the receiving in communication, not just one-sided. And there's a big difference between performing, which you have performed on the biggest networks, the biggest stages in the world, your own shows thank in you, thank Vegas. You, thank you. Yeah, in Letterman. I mean, in, as you have studied me, I've studied you and have been a huge fan uh, and not even known that we were so closely tied here to San Diego. But what is the difference between utilizing the performance side, like a Dr. Dean, yep. compared to you have changed lives? And I have, know many executives and entrepreneurs that tell me how much you've helped them achieve uh, or get out of their own way, they've even suggested, yeah. what they want in their lives. How was that transition from being a performer to actually you know, constructively changing lives? All buying decisions are based first on emotion and then back up with logic. And a buying decision isn't just me spending money on something. A buying decision could be me asking this particular woman to marry me. A buying decision could be me deciding I'm going to take better care of my body. A buying decision could be, you know, me deciding I'm going to choose to hold this to be true as my legacy. Since they're all based first emotionally and then backed up logically, and since our subconscious mind is our emotional mind and our conscious mind is our logical mind, then what that means is all buying decisions, all choices we make, are based first subconsciously, we don't even know the reason, and then backed up consciously. 
Back to your question about the fact of, you know, how do you make the transition from performance to changing people's lives? Well, both a performance and let's call it a presentation are designed to move people emotionally. If you do not move people emotionally, you don't engage them. They're not paying any attention. Or to remember it. Right. right. You got to make them feel a certain way for them to remember. Yes. The distinction, though, a presentation is designed to move somebody physically. In other words, a presentation is designed to get them to take a new action. So not only have the feeling of joy, gosh, that was so much fun. Gosh, I should go out and change my life. You know, at the top of this interview, you asked me about Dr. Michael Dean and his show. It was an entertainment show, except it had a, a profound impact upon me. It had this, this impact that said, you get to choose who you are. From the ground up, you get to choose everything. And so I think so many times people fall into victimhood rather than victorhood. And I think they lose sight that everything happens for a reason and it serves us. And finding our lives less than perfect, is, it's a waste of time. It is what it is. And even though that's very zen, that's life. And I know we had talked, you're like, you know, I'm very spiritual and I see you as such a spiritual being because of statements like that. Uh, but even more importantly, uh, coming from a sales perspective or an entrepreneurial perspective, Emotional attachment, obviously people buy on emotion for logical reasons, uh, but more importantly, there has to be a line of the truth, meaning credibility. Mm -hmm. um, and does the credibility of an individual, the energetic credibility is we have an intuition that someone, we may not know if they're lying, but there's something off. Right. But we don't feel when someone's telling us something, it may not be true or it may be true, but there's something off. How does that credibility quotient work within the context of maybe a subconscious awareness yep. or a resistance to the suggestive behavior? And it could be self-credibility or the credibility of someone else trying to make a positive suggestion onto us. Yeah. Communication equals wealth and, and wealth on all levels. Communication equals success. We communicate in two ways. We communicate internally the 1,500 words per minute going through our brain telling us who we are and who we aren't, what we can be, what we can do, what we can have. Outward communication is called influence. And since everything that we want that we don't currently have, we're going to get from other people, your ability to charismatically influence other people, make them beg you for what you're selling and have them believe it was their idea, that's the power of the entrepreneur. You know, Jobs was a genius at getting people to think they always needed the newest and greatest gadget. That's why every time there'd be an updated iPhone, even currently, they would change the shape slightly or they'd put an extra camera on the back. So or they'd screw up the old operating system. They'd screw so up the old operating system. <laughs> but the reason they would do the changes, like on the edges, you know, round them at one time and square them off at another time, was that if you could see somebody else with the phone in their hand, you could immediately tell which version it was. So if it was an older model, they immediately, you know, got pegged as a person who wasn't up to date. The last thing, though, you were talking about, yeah, congruency is everything. And congruency is built out of certainty. Certainty is the absence of doubt. So when you communicate with somebody, like you said, you say, you know, what they were saying made sense, except it just didn't feel right. What didn't feel right is they were incongruent. You know, somebody tells you they're a multi-billionaire and they're living in a studio apartment on the beach. Well, certainly that can be a choice, could be true. It throws a white flag up, though. You know, it just makes you stop and say, gosh, maybe they're not telling me the truth. Or someone says, yeah, I'm always happy and you never see them smile, or yeah, my, my relationship with my wife is going really well, yet when they're together, they never touch each other. Right. You say to yourself, something's not quite right here. It's interesting. Yeah, and, and so for me, it's it, the congruency of it, of walking your talk, is first taking charge of that internal communication. That's where it's gotta start. 
And you, you must hold captive every negative thought, every negative emotion. You've got to understand what programming works, what doesn't. I'll give you a quick example. Some people think, you know, work hard, get ahead. And unfortunately, when you work hard, what you get is more hard work. Those that think govern those that labor. And when you start making those kinds of breakthroughs that what you want is in a place you haven't looked yet, you stop looking for the cheese in the exact same place and you start saying, no, it's got to be somewhere else. I've looked here twice. It wasn't here the first time. It wasn't here the second time. Stop looking there. You know, it's kind of like I, uh, I was married twice before my one true wife. And I'm glad that I was because it made me realize how amazing my wife is and that my wife, Erica, is the best decision I ever made making money. You know, I was always one to model my mother. She worked three jobs. I worked three jobs. It was killing myself. And it wasn't until I said, no, you, you've got to get smart here and you've got to give other people what they want in a way that's meaningful to them. Yes. And you are a celebrant as long as a celebrity. But one of the other things that I find interesting is that this internal belief, I've been told, you know, we give meaning to everything we see that you cannot find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. And I'm trying to reconcile this with this idea of self-reflection and self-integrity uh, of knowing who we are and making the right programmatic uh, catalyst decisions, or I don't know how you would say it, the right suggestions to self in order to effectuate the meanings that we want. Is there some sort of training that you give to give the meaning? So it's obvious, you know, if you can get people to buy into what you're talking about, but then again, they have to execute on it. So I'm an executive coming to you saying, I feel like, I, you know, I, I know I'm worth a hundred million, but I feel like I'm limiting myself and I have no one to talk to because everyone looks at me like, holy crap, how'd you do that? Right. It made the, maybe I'm talking personally sometimes. Uh, and then, <laughs> so do they come to you and say, well, how do I give a new meaning to everything I see that's beyond my reality? I want to surpass other people's imagination. I teach a program that we've been teaching for 40 years called uh, Turning Point. And Turning Point does three things. Number one, it helps you understand how to program your brain, which programs are already there that work, which ones are there that don't work that get in the way. It teaches skills of irresistible influence because you've got to master persuasion and influence. And then the third thing it does is it turns up your wantingness because that's where our mojo comes from. It's, it's savoring the wanting as much as the having. I mentioned a word earlier, and one of the things that I teach at Turning Point is something called cold reading. Every single thought has a physical response on the body. And when I mentioned the word to you, your eyes went wider, you sat back in your chair a little bit, the word was certainty. When I said the word certainty, you went, ah, because that is the piece. And when we have certainty of something, we don't get bogged down in, the, you know, what am I missing? If, if I'm making $100 million or I'm worth $100 million and I wanna be a billionaire, I need to get back to the idea that I'm already a billionaire whose money has not yet been deposited in my bank account. And before I'm a billionaire, even before I'm a millionaire, I've got to view the world in the way that that millionaire or billionaire would view the world before the money's there so that I take the actions they would take before the money's there to produce the result. And so many times people wait till the result has been produced before they accept the truth of, of the fact. It's kind of like having a kid. You know, my, all my babies started walking at 13 months. I have a friend of mine, his son started walking at six months. And I was just boggled by the fact that he started walking at six months. And I, it's the old adage, you know, my kid's not walking at 13 months. I guess he's not going to be a walker. He's going to be a crawler his whole life. No, it, it's being certain of what the outcome is on the other side. It's the entrepreneur that enters into something with all their heart and soul. It's, a, it's their life. It's their legacy. But yet they have that doubt and they keep getting set back and trampled upon and they finally just give up. And the only distinction was they had to press a little harder. 
they'd go a little bit further. And they had to have sensory acuity. Sensory acuity is the understanding of being able to know whether or not you're getting what you want. Are you getting closer to what you want? Or are you moving further away? Is your, is your audience, are your customers embracing you more? Are they eventually becoming evangelical? Because if they're not becoming evangelical, the challenge is your product. You know, if somebody buys from you and they don't want to tell everybody else how great the experience was, the challenge is your product. And you'll never outgrow that till you satisfy either the service or the flaws in the product. And to that point, when we are programming ourselves, I utilize a paradigm shift in my own mantra. So I have prayers that I've utilized, like may God put at least 10 people in front of me that I can help every day. But then I also added, may God put at least 10 people that can help me. One of my newer ones that I teach is I am healthy. I am happy. I am wealthy and I'm worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? Which is a complete paradigm. Shift. And I want to pause that because this Please. is my area of expertise. Yeah, right. That's so, why I want to bring it to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> You described all of those first ones, the great I am's. I am positive, I am powerful, I am productive, I'm too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> and then you said, what do I need to get rid of? And it's the training cycle. We don't necessarily need to get rid of something, yet we might need to get something. And so since nature abhors a vacuum, it is impossible for us to program against what we don't want. I'll give you an example. I just had open heart surgery. Because of the surgery, my body has responded oddly. I've put on a bunch of weight. And rather than saying, how do I take the weight off? The answer is, how do I keep living more healthfully? Because by living more healthfully, my body normalizes. It takes care of itself. It's not a fat person trying to lose weight. It's a slender person who's put on a few pounds. Right. It's not a poor person trying to make money. It's a millionaire whose money has not yet been deposited in their bank account. And so when we get back to the first part of what you said, the great I am, we ask ourselves, would a millionaire argue over the $10 overcharge in their cell phone bill? No, they wouldn't. It's beneath their pay grade. Would a good husband, what would a good husband do when the wife is giving him grief? He'd recognize the wife's been at home with the kids all day long. She's stir crazy. She wants to talk to an adult. All he wants to do is, you know, sit and be quiet and have some peace. But he says, no, I love my wife. And a good husband would take the time to listen to his wife, just like he's poured into his clients all day long. And of course, this is not gender specific, just no. my example. Yeah, and, and I've lived that example where my wife asked me at dinner one time, why do you treat people you don't know or barely know better than you treat the people you care the most about? Yep. In that exact scenario. Yep. Um, real quick, last question. Um, I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, quantum, uh, I believe in energetic and genetic inheritance. Yep. Uh, I think genetic inheritance has maybe even been scientifically proven for generations and we can look to see the obsessions and addictions, the characteristics and personality traits. I believe we also inherit energetically, yep. uh, which can create these limitations or perspectives or paradigms that create the resistance that you help to resolve uh, in this belief system. What is your belief about what we're born with? You know, is there an energetic and genetic disposition? Can we change it? Can we break the chain of alcoholism? Can we do things like this that people talk about? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a slight lean towards something. And what I, what I mean by that is I think we are much more uh, environment-based than we are uh, genetically based. You know, there's certain things, my height, my skin color, the shape of my ears, my you know, hair, whatever it is, that might be based on something genetically. I also know, though, in due respect, my father was not a happy man, and his unhappiness was uh, projected on me specifically, not on my siblings, specifically on me, and every one of them would say the same thing. And as a father, you know, I certainly could fall into that because that's all that I know of what fatherhood looks like, except I said, no, I'm going the other direction. 
I'm going to make sure that I'm always present for my children. I'm going to make sure they hear from me 30, 40, 50 times a day how much I love them, how grateful I am for them. I'm going to make sure that their self-esteem is brought up no matter what it takes, no matter how much time it takes, away from everything that I've done because they didn't ask to be here, I invited them in. And so, yeah, anybody that's watching this podcast right now, I want you to know that while it's useful to know about what the genetic makeup might be and what the, the cellular and DNA uh, composition could be, it's an excuse. And do not fall into it. Don't let yourself have that excuse. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your present circumstance is. There is a way for you to have a turning point, and it's easier than you realize, yet 100% is your responsibility. And I'd love to know, as we finish up, the different programs that you have now. Turning Point, obviously, has been going on for a long time, but I know you do a lot of different things with a lot of different groups. What are some of those things that people can find when they search you, Marshall Silver, uh, the newest programs, the latest things that you're working on? You know, one of the latest things we're working on is the world changed. You know, through all the stuff that we've been going through, the world's changed. And people, given the choice, prefer not to travel anymore. People still travel except given the choice between wearing a face diaper for four hours on a flight. Uh, you know, I fly privately exclusively, so I haven't, haven't had to do Can that. I come yet. with I know, you? <laughs> well, yes. My customers fly commercially. And I know that even though they love me and they want to be with me, I know how much of a hassle it is to be able to go through that. And so we've created something called a satellite program where I'm certifying instructors to do exactly what I do. And then we supplement that with a video feed, a virtual feed. So I teach the entire program. You know, my whole thing is business is business and business is selling things. And I'm one of the top closers on the planet. If I meet somebody better than me, I'll be their top student. I'm one of the best closers on the planet. So I'll teach the content. I will close on the other sales that we make for them. All they've got to do is round up 10, 20, 30 people in their geographic locale. And we're, we're setting our sights on helping a lot of people have good seven figure years. And that's an easy way to articulate the quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for. So, you know, I look also and study you and I love the fact that like me, you're not afraid to ask for what you can guarantee value. And I know uh, regardless of the expense that you may look at when you look at Marshall Silver, look at the result. And I always tell people the 100% credibility. If I told you, wire me a million dollars today, but I promise you by the end of the week, you're gonna have $2 million. Why won't you do it? And that's the way I feel when I see you close because you can articulate the value beyond knowing it yourself. And I think there's a fall down for so many others because they don't believe in the value. And I see it all the time when they're selling, negotiating against themselves. Like, wait, if you believe you really can do this, why wouldn't you have 100% certainty when you're talking about it? Why would you lower your cost if you truly could, in your mind, guarantee that this works? And I've seen for you over the decades, uh, at work, and I've met many people that have worked with you. So uh, I've been waiting a long time to have this interview here in your new studio in what a blast. Carlsbad. You're amazing. Please check him out, Marshall Silver. Here, another way to be an entrepreneur. You don't have one way. There's many ways. Change the way you look at things. The things you look at change.